hearing about how God has brought about this new humanity in the church. How He has united Jew and Gentile alike, people who were hostile to each other, people of different ethnicities and backgrounds, into one body, into the church. We've been hearing about how through the church, God has displayed His, His manifold wisdom through all the ages have now been revealed in the church. We've been hearing about how God's displayed His multifaceted glory in the diversity of the church. And today we're going to be unpacking Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16. And we're actually going to be taking two messages to cover this passage. It's so rich with content We want to take our time going through it. So, in this first part, we're going to see that Jesus gives us each different gifts that are needed for our maturity together. So let's read God's holy, inspired, inerrant word in Ephesians now. Ephesians 4, 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high... He led a host of captives and He gave gifts to men. In saying He ascended, what does it mean? But that He also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that He might fill all things. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And it tells us why in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? It says in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you. You are the most holy God. You created all things. God, we acknowledge that we've We've sinned against You. We've broken Your laws. But thank You that You did not leave mankind in sin. You did not leave us in our sins. Thank You that You always plan to reveal Your justice, Your grace, Your love, Your mercy to us in Jesus Christ. Thank You, God, that You called each and every one of us to be Your people. To be a part of Your glorious plan to rescue humanity in and through the body of Your Son. Father, we pray that You would continue to have mercy on us this morning. Please give us Your grace this morning as we hear Your Word to understand. Give us the grace to hear Your Word and apply it. Open up our our ears that we may hear from You. Open up our eyes we may see You. Open up our hearts that we may know You. Father, I pray that we would respond with lives that worship you for your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So let me ask you a question. How do you achieve the unity of the church? How do you achieve the unity of the church? It's a a question I I think we need to ponder, we need to think about for a moment. How do you achieve the unity of the church? Well, it's, it's kind of a trick question in one sense. One might say you achieve unity through being the same. But God's plan in and through the church is that His multifaceted grace might be displayed in this multi-ethnic, very diverse, very different group of people that we have here. We're not all alike. We don't necessarily share common interests and backgrounds. So unity in the church, it can't be gotten by sameness. In fact, it's enhanced by our differences. But that, that kind of sounds contradictory almost, doesn't it? 
Okay, we actually become unified or we maintain unity by differences. How does that work? Or maybe unity is, is achieved by equality. You know, you, you hear that bantered around society today. Society is huge on the idea of equality, but not really, not, the, not a real idea of what equality means. You see, men and women are equal before God in value and worth, but they don't have equal roles. Men and women aren't equal in the sense of being the same, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I hope, I hope all the guys on this room are grateful that we are not the same. And it's true that God gifts some people with different gifts than others, isn't it? We're, we're not equal in that sense. We strive for equity, we strive for fairness, we strive for equal treatment, but we won't ever have equality in its purest sense. So unity can't come through equality, can it? So how do we achieve unity in the church? I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like a trick question. See, we don't achieve unity on our own in the church. That's something that God has done in the church. But he calls us to maintain the unity of the church. He calls us to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He has gotten for us, Christ has won for us, a unity that we could never accomplish through any earthly means or ability. We can't be one through having some social calls together. We can't be one through us all adopting the same political party. We can't be one through us all agreeing on everything. That's not what our unity is based upon. And that's, there's, I rejoice in that. But we have a, a real unity, a true unity, a deeper unity that's brought to us through Jesus Christ. And that's really what the beginning part of chapter 4 of Ephesians is all about. That we have a unity that He has purchased for us, He's gotten for us. But we've been called to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So our unity is not brought about by us, but we maintain the unity of the Spirit. And, and look in verse 4 of Ephesians 2. If you flip in your Bible, if you don't have a Bible with you, um, I encourage you to look on with somebody beside you maybe. Ephesians 4, 2, come from me last week. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. This is how we are to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. With unity, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. The reason why we're called to do this is because we are all different, right? We're given different gifts. We have different backgrounds, different abilities, different talents and skills. And so in light of Christ's unifying work to make us one in himself, we're called to walk in a manner that's worthy of the high calling that he's given us in the church. If the church is really the place where God reveals his manifold wisdom, then isn't the church the place where we're to walk worthy of the calling? This high calling we've been called to. This calling to be one in his body. You know, we might be tempted to be proud about our differences or proud about our growth in an area. You ever, you ever kind of take pride that you're better than somebody else? I, I know I'm, I'm tempted that way all the time. But we're called to be gentle with each other as our Father's been gentle with us. We're called to have patience with each other because why? We require patience. Maybe you don't feel like you require patience this morning, but you require patience. I require patience. I'm sure you're nodding your head thinking, yeah, you do require patience. Every Sunday you're preaching. We must bear with each other in love because we'll, we'll need bearing with. We all have weaknesses and failings that require bearing with one another. And all of this, Paul says, our motives to love one another, we've been loved by God. But our unity is, is not brought about by our sameness. Our unity also is not maintained by us all trying to speak the same language, by us all trying to have the same Christian lingo. You know, ha have the same exact language, you know. Um, we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of saying, you know, that was real blessing to me. What does that mean? <laughs> we're all guilty of using language that's just not comprehensible to people around us. And so our unity is not maintained with that. It's not maintained by being alike in our practice either, is it? How you school your children, how you raise your kids. Our unity is not maintained by those things. How you parent. Whether you believe in a certain behavior is acceptable or you believe another behavior is not acceptable. 
Our unity is not maintained by that. So what does that look like? How do we maintain unity? Well, we maintain unity in the midst of diversity. And actually, in the verses we're looking at this morning, Paul really is encouraging the diversity of the body of Christ. It seems kind of contrary, doesn't it? He's, he's saying, I encourage you to pursue the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And how you do that is, is through realizing you're a diverse body. You've been given diverse gifts. Jesus has given us diverse gifts that are needed for the unity and maturity of the body, is what Paul's saying. We actually need the diversity of the body in order to maintain the unity of the body. We need the diversity of the body in order to maintain the, the maturity of the body. And the main idea, really, of these verses, it's just that Jesus Christ has given us diverse gifts. He's given us all manner of diverse gifts that are needed for the unity and maturity of the body. We need the diversity in this room. We need, we need the different perspectives. We need the different gifts and talents and abilities that God's given to us in order to maintain unity and grow in maturity. First thing we're going to see in these verses really is just that Christ has given grace to us in different measures. Christ has given grace to us in different measures. He's, he's given grace in different measures to each and every one of us. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know what? I, I don't know about me because I'm not really aware of where God's grace is at work in my life. Well, if you place your faith and your hope in Jesus, let me, let me give you confidence that God has given you grace. Paul says in verse 7, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. What that's saying is that each and every one of us has been given grace. Each and every one of us has been given God's grace. Remember, God, He owns everything. He's over everything. And this God who's, who's over all, who owns all, it's like He's the wealthiest of all kings. And He brings His children into, into His room and, he, and he, when they're ready. And He gives them all an inheritance based on what they really need. The children might not understand what they've been given. They might not understand the gifts their father's bestowed on, but the father knows. You know, when I, when I give my kids gifts at a young age, when they're infants or toddlers, they don't understand why I'm giving it to them. They might not even understand what it's for. But I, I have a reason. God has a reason why he gives each and every one of us gifts. He gives us the very gifts that we need, even though when we don't understand them. There's going to be times when you don't understand, Lord, why do I seem to have these gifts and that person has these other gifts? He gives us just the gifts that we need, even if we don't understand why He's given them to us. And we aren't, Paul tells us that we aren't given small gifts of grace. You may feel this morning like, I don't have a lot of grace today. I came in weary, I came in tired, I came in distracted. I don't, I don't feel like I have a lot of grace this morning. Well, Paul is encouraging us. He says that we've been given grace according to what measure? Look in verse 7. It says, according to the measure of Christ's gift. And if you have your Bible with you, flip back to Ephesians 2, 7, 7 and 8. It says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches. He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus you see, God's plan was always to show His grace to us, but not in a limited fashion. His plan was that He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace. His grace is unable to be measured. And so, as Paul says, that each one was given to uh, a grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, what he's saying is that you have been given grace according to the immeasurable greatness of the grace of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus will never run out of grace for you and me. He'll never run out of enough grace for the day for you and for me when we face hardships and challenges, when we have doubts and weaknesses, when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're frustrated, when we're sinning all over the place. He says, but grace was given to each one of us, not according to all those things we may do or not do, but according to, to what? The measure of Christ's gift. You ever feel like God's run out of grace for you? No. He has immeasurable grace available to us. He has this deep well of grace that there's no bottom to, that's always full, that He's constantly drawing from to give to you, to each and every believer, each and every one of us who place our faith in Him. 
He is an inexhaustible well of grace available to you. And it says he's given to each one of us grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now notice in verse 7 what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that this grace was given to special people. Or only certain people in the church. Maybe this grace is just given to good looking people in the church. Or maybe this grace is given to people who look like they have it all together. I've been tempted to feel that way at times. Like, okay, God, you've given them a lot of grace because they've got it all together. They look great. The kids look great this morning. There's no, like, peanut butter smeared on their on their shirt. Um, there's no coffee spilled on their pants. Everything's going fine for them. And they're just joyfully raising their hands and worshiping God. And, like, Lord, what's up with that? They've got way more grace than I do. I don't, I don't have that kind of... I don't have grace. Grace is not given only those who have special roles in the church, people who have it look like they have it together. And by the way, nobody's got it all together. It's not just given to pastors or teachers or deacons or ministry team leaders or whoever that person is you're thinking about. It says each one, each one in the body of Christ, if you've placed your faith, if you've placed your hope in Jesus... Each one of you has been given the grace of God and not in small measure. Now, you may have been given grace gifts that you don't recognize. You may have been given grace gifts like the king who gives grace or gives gifts to his his children. They may not understand why he gave one child this gift and why he gave another child that gift, but the king knows what's best for his children. You may not feel like God's given you much grace at all, but He's given you all the grace that you need according to the inexhaustible measure of Christ's grace. The Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to say to you through Paul and through His Word this morning that He's given you His grace and He's not limited in any way. You see, His grace is not given to us based on our merit. It's according to His measure, the measure of Christ's gift. It's not given to us on the basis of our achievements. It's given on the basis of Christ's gift. He's not limited by your weakness. Maybe you feel like God's somehow limited by your weakness this morning when you came in. His his grace wasn't given to you because of your strength. It's not limited because of your weakness. He's not limited by your poor performance, just like His grace isn't given because of your best performance. His grace, it says, is given to you according to the measure of Christ's gift. Maybe this morning you're also wondering, do I really have a place in this church, in this local body, in this local manifestation of of Christ's multifaceted wisdom? Do, Do I really have a place here? Do I have something to contribute? And I want, I believe the Lord wants to speak to you and encourage you. He wants to encourage you through His word that yes, to each one, To each one of you, He's given His grace, and it's according to the measure of Christ's gift. He's given you and I His grace and diverse gifts. They don't look the same. They don't look the same. We may not recognize the gifts that He's given to us. He's given you and I His his grace and diverse gifts, though. And and in 8 and 10, Paul stops for a moment in verses 8 and 10, and he pauses. It's like he's relishing the gracious gift of God in verse 7, and he stops and it affects him. And, and the second point that we're going to see in this verse is he's, he's reflecting how costly it was for Christ to give us gifts. And the second point that we want to look at this morning is that Christ has given each one of us gifts from his costly victory. You see, Paul was aware that the grace of Jesus Christ, it came at a cost, but that cost was not to us. It came at a cost, but that cost was not to us. It, that cost was to Jesus Christ. And so Paul is aware that he has given each one of his gifts from his costly victory. Paul, he, he knows his Bible well. He was a good Pharisee. He's, he's read his Old Testament. And so as he's writing about God's gifts, it, it sparks a remembrance in him of, of Psalm 68. And so really this is a quote from Psalm 68, verses 11 through 10, 8 through 10 are a quote. And, and Paul is just thinking about, you know, it's like that time in Psalms where, where God is ascending Mount Zion. He's conquered all of his enemies. And God's ascending Mount Zion as a victor. And as he goes up Mount Zion, he's, he has in his train, it says in Psalm 68, he has in his train a host of captives as he's led out. 
And in Psalm 68, it says he's receiving gifts from men, but the, the language there is he re, he's receiving those gifts to give them back to his people. And so as Paul is thinking about the gifts of Christ, he's thinking about the fact that, you know, Jesus is the one who's ultimately and finally fulfilled that victory that we see in Psalms. He's ascended Mount Zion. He's conquered every foe. Every knee shall bow before Jesus Christ. And, and He has conquered all. Because He's conquered all, He has all the spoils of this world. He has all the spoils to offer to us of His grace. And so He gives us from His gracious spoils, out of His great victory, Christ, He's the King who's, who's conquered all His foes and now the riches of His victory. He says He gives gifts to men in verse 8. It says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives and He gave gifts to men. It, it's this picture of, of Him redeeming and leading us, His people, out of captivity into the land, into the place where He's prepared for us. And He's giving gifts to men from His spoils. And so Paul, though, he's aware that this victory, it came at a cost. It didn't come free to Jesus. And so in verses 9 and 10, he takes a little bit of an excursus. He takes a little bit of an aside in verses 9 and 10. And I don't know about in your Bible, my ESV Bible, it has this in parentheses. And so it's explaining at what cost this victory came. And so look in verse 9. It says, in saying, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So what's Paul doing here? He's, he's reiterating that Jesus came down to earth in his incarnation. And as a man, he made himself low. He humbled himself here on the earth in the lowest way. But not only that, he suffered in our place. He died in our place. He was placed into the grave. The stone sealed up the tomb where he was laid in the lower parts of the earth. He descended. He gave it all up for us. And why did he do that? He, he, he gave it all up for us so that he might win the victory for us. Why? So he might give the church gracious gifts. He's the victorious Lord now. Now in victory He's ascended far above all the heavens and He sovereignly fills all things. It says in verse 10 that He might fill all things. What does that mean? He means that He's over all things. He rules over all things. He reigns over all things. All things belong to Him and He gives gifts so that He might fill all things on the earth. How does He do that? How does He fill all things on the earth? Well, He does that through you and through me. He fills all things with the knowledge of His glory in and through the church. He fills all things by revealing His manifold wisdom and bringing a motley crew of people together in the church. Yeah, that's right. I, I called us a motley crew. Not like the old band, but a, a very diverse, very different, unlike crew of people. And He fills all things by supplying people with every gift that's necessary for their good and for the work of ministry that He's called us to. And so Jesus Christ gives us each and every one here gifts. And He gives different gifts based on His sovereign giving. So these gifts that He gives to us are not based on your will, but on His will. And we can rest assured that, you know what? His sovereign giving, He's the one who's overall. He actually knows what's best for us. He knows the gifts that we need. He wants what's best for us. He's able to do what's best for us. He's able to give us the precise gifts that are best suited to us. And He gives these gifts, it says in these verses, to specifically build up His body. And as His body is built, He fills the universe with His rule. He fills the universe with His rule. And how does He do that? He does that through the church. He does that through you and through me. He's, he's beginning to do what he's, he's going to bring about in completion when He comes back. But He's already begun the process of filling the whole planet with His rule through you and through me. As we evidence and carry out the gifts He's given us. As we do the work of ministry that He's called us to. 
And it's in this context of giving each one gifts that Paul goes on. And he talks about some of the specific gifts that Christ has given to the church. And we can see that in verse 11. And he's, that the third point really is just that Christ has given us different kinds of gifts. He doesn't give us all the same kinds of gifts. And so in verse 11 we see that it says, He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. One of my favorite books, one of my favorite audio stories, and even my favorite movie is, is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, and in that movie, these, these children, each one of them are, they're on the road, and Father Christmas overtakes them in a sleigh. And out comes some gifts for these children. And each one of them was given gifts that were perfectly suited to them, but each one of them were very different. Very different. Lucy got a cordial, a little vial. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of lame. And then, you know, Peter gets the big sword. I'm like, that's awesome. And, then Lu- and Susan gets a bone arrow. And that's kind of cool. Rather the sword, rather the bone arrow than the vial. So those are better. But Peter's sword was just what he needed to save the lives of his sisters. And he'd use it to conquer many foes. Susan's bow would come in handy in a time when they were about to lose the battle and help change the tide. And then little Lucy, her little cordial, her gift, it saved the life of her brother, Edmund, as well as many others. Each one of them was given very different gifts that may have seemed not as good as the other one. Everybody wanted Peter's, maybe. But God, in the same way, gives each one of us very different gifts that are useful for their own purposes, for their own plans. And He knows what's best. And He's given us very different kinds of gifts. And it's not even that the gifts that Christ has given us are restricted to these list of four or five different categories of gifts listed here in Ephesians. Because in the broader context of Ephesians, it says that He gives gifts, as in plural, multiple gifts to men in verse 8. And then it says in verse 7, He gives to each one gifts. Now, it's not true that each and every person here is a pastor. Or that every person here is an evangelist. Or that every person here is a teacher. But it is true that every person here is gifted. And gifted with a different gift. Now we're not going to unpack this list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers this week. We're going to come back to it next week in, in part two of the message. As we talk about how these gifts are specifically given to help the body be built up in speaking the truth and love. And we're going to talk about that next week. But in case you're wondering, this is not the only list of gifts in the New Testament. In fact, there's five gifts, gift lists in the New Testament. There's over 20 different gifts that are named throughout the New Testament specifically. But it's not even limited to that because all of these lists, they don't exactly match up. They aren't the same. There's some overlap, but I think what that's meant to show us is that that's not an exhaustive list. Each one's given a gift. Well, it can't be represented by only the 20 gifts that are shown in the different lists in the New Testament if each one is given a different gift. Each one is given a gift. He's given gifts to men in verse 8. And in some people, He's given specific different kinds of gifts. And it says in the verses we looked at earlier that each one of us has been given gifts by Jesus Christ Himself. And Paul, although he's emphasizing some specific gifts, and I think he's doing that to communicate the fact that um, the body is built up and false teaching avoided through these gifts. And these are some of many gifts. But for now, the main thing we need to see from this is that Christ has given different kinds of gifts. He's given different kinds of gifts. In the broader context, Paul's saying that Christ gave many different kinds of gifts to the body. Each person here has been given a gift. And it probably is a little different. You know, you know that they used to come up with these gift mix surveys. I don't believe in those things. Um, maybe they can be helpful for identifying some, some good tendencies. But the reality is we're all unique. We're all different. We're all Christian snowflakes in a sense. We're, we all are very different with many different facets. We don't look the same. So you may have a gift of service, but it's not going to look the same as somebody else's gift of service. 
You may have the gift of administration, but it's not going to look the same as in somebody else's gift of administration. So in that sense, we, we all have very different gifts. Jesus knows each and every one of us personally and individually. And He loves us. And He loves us with a, an everlasting love that's not dependent upon us. So because of that, we can be assured that when He gives us gifts, it's because He knows what we need. And because... God has accepted each and every person here who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ because He's accepted you completely in Jesus. He doesn't like one of you more than the other. He doesn't play favorites in that sense. It's not that He likes Dale more than He likes Chris or He likes Bob more than He likes Sam. Or You see, His favor rests on each and every one of us equally because Jesus has earned the favor that we could never earn. You know, with my own kids, they're very different ages, they're very different maturity levels, they have very different backgrounds, they're very different personalities. If you've spent any time around my children, you will begin to identify some of the different personalities my kids have. And, and we give them gifts from time to time. And we give them gifts that are suited to them. And we give them gifts at various times in life for various purposes. Sometimes it's just for fun and for their enjoyment. Other times, gifts are actually for them to learn. Or gifts are for them to grow. And, and God, in the same way He's allotted or given out to each and every one of us, the very gifts we need based on where we are currently, on our maturity level, on our background, on our personality, and all those things, He knows us better than we know ourselves. You know, sometimes, though, we can feel like we aren't as significant. We aren't as significant to God as, as somebody else is. Let me correct that mentality by telling you that Jesus is the one in whom we have all significance. Why? Because, you see, God relates to us as He relates to His Son because Jesus has earned perfectly the favor of God. And so God looks at us with significance because He looks at us as if we have the righteousness of His Son. And so sometimes we can, we can get caught in the trap of feeling like I've got a gift that I, I don't really want. Or I've got a gift that's not as significant as somebody else's gift. You ever feel that way? My gift isn't as important as His gift. Now, when I was younger, it was more related to athletic prowess. Now that I'm getting older, I, I no longer have any notions that I'll ever be able to be an athlete again. So I don't, I don't value those gifts. It's more the speaking gifts or other talents, ability to build things maybe or serve in ways that I don't have. And we can be tempted to feel like we're not as important because we don't have the gift that somebody else has that we want. You ever feel that way? Less, you feel less important at times because you don't have a gift that seems more important? Well, his gifts are given to us in his sovereignty. And remember, he's not limited in the kinds of gifts he gives us. And so we know that there's not a more or lesser importance in the, in the varying degrees of gifts that he gives us. In God's perspective, he gives just the right gifts. And they're all important to the body. And they're each one empowered by the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, Paul in, in Corinthians is referencing the gifts and he says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So how does God give us gifts? He gives us gifts as He wills. Not as we will. So let's, let's accept the fact that, God, thank You for the gifts You've given me. Your boundaries have fallen from me in pleasant places. You've given me the gifts that you will. And I can trust you. I can be grateful. I can step out in faith. I can rejoice and enjoy the gifts. And you know what? I can enjoy somebody else's gift that I don't have. But I can enjoy them having it. Because you've given the gifts as you will. And you will perfectly. In Romans 12, 4. Another passage in the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same functions, for we who are many 
are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts, listen, that differ. Gifts that differ what? According to what? According to our worth? No, it says according to the grace given to us. Let each exercise them accordingly. God's not going to hold you accountable for a gift you don't have. He's not calling you to exercise a gift that's not yours. And, and I'm, I'm very glad for that. I think we have all the gifts that we need because I fail to honor God with the gifts that I do have. I think we have enough to be accountable for. And he says we've given gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, or he who gives with liberality, or he who leads with diligence, let he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we've all been given different kinds of gifts. And, and I just want to take a moment as a church. I'm aware that there are so many gifts in this room. I'm grateful to God for the various gifts that he's given to us. He's given guys who can serve other people with practical skills. He's given ladies who have the gift of encouragement, who may not be able to go outside of their home, but who can call or write a letter. He's given people the gift to pray for somebody else when, when they may not be able to do much else because they're infirmed, they're sick, but they can pray. He's given gifts of hospitality. He's given gifts of administration. He's given gifts of leadership. He's given gifts of teaching. He's given gifts to people who are able to lead somebody else through the Bible. He's given creative gifts and people who think artistically. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because I wish I could think artistically. He's given people who appreciate beauty in the church. You know, I was thinking that, I don't know if you realize this or not, I just realized this about a week or two ago, that um, this month marks our 10-year anniversary as a church. Did you know that? Um, our 10-year anniversary church this month, I think it was last week, this week, somewhere around that time frame. It's our 10-year anniversary as a church. We've grown as a church because God has given so many different gifts to the church. So many people building up the body. So many people strengthening the body. Aaron and I had the privilege of taking a retreat last week. And, and on the retreat, we were, we were encouraged as we were taking... It was an evaluation retreat. Sometimes evaluation retreats are not as encouraging as other times. And so we were taking each different area of the church systematically, one by one, going through each area of the church. And as we did that, it was so... The net effect of that was very encouraging. Why? Because I was aware that God is at work in so many of your lives. God's at work inspiring you to say, you know what, I want to reach out to my neighbor. I want to serve the church in this way. You know, Matt Halls, he's going to be putting together a plan for America Hill. We're going to ever hear about in our family meeting. He's, he wants to reach out to, to people who don't have homes or women in battered shelters. And, and so I'm just aware of so many different gifts. And we heard this morning, Steve and Laura, God's bringing even new people to the church and, and giving various gifts with evangelism. And Mario helping lead us in, in, in missional community and, and reaching out. I'm aware of the gifts that we have and the people who come and set up every Sunday morning. We have people who come before I want to be awake. <laughs> and they're setting up so you can hear God's word and rejoice together as a body. I'm aware of the gifts of people who open up their homes to care groups and host the care groups and clean up the mess afterwards. Um, I'm just aware of so many varied gifts. God has been so kind to us as a church. And as the, the, the wonderful effect of that and this, this message I was just thinking through, all the gifts that God has given to us, and this church would not be if it were not for you and you exercising your gifts. And we are grateful for how you have exercised your gifts. We want to encourage you, continue on all the more. Why? Because your gifts are needed. The fourth thing we're going to see in verses 12 to 14 is that Christ has given each of us gifts for the maturity of the body. Why has He done this? Why does He give us each gifts? Why does He give each one of us different gifts? He gives us these diverse gifts for the maturity of the body. Look in verse 12. It says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. What He's saying is that we need each other to grow up. 
So when you're thinking about care group and you just don't feel like going, and by the way, most of the time when we feel like getting out of our comfort zone, it's going to be a challenge. We have to put our, our flesh to death. You're, you may not feel like doing things to honor the Lord. They're going to put you in a place to receive from the gifts of other people in the body. They're going to put you in a place to minister to the other body. So when those times, when I'm guessing any given Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, whatever night your small group meets, I'm guessing you're going to be tempted to think, you know, oh, I don't really feel like going. It's been a long week. I just got home at 6.30. And the carib starts half an hour. God has given you a gift that you need to share with the body so the body is built up. He's also given gifts to other people so that you are built up. You see, we, we, we tend to have this very selfish, personalized view of Christianity in, in North America. And I'm not accusing our church, but in North America we have this, this very individualized view. And I think it stems from the fact that our country was founded on rebellion, really. And so we have this rebellious mentality in Christianity says, I, I want a church that's going to serve me. I want a church that's going to meet my needs. I want a church that's going to fulfill me in every way. I want a church that if it's not entertaining... Then I'm going to go find somewhere else that's more entertaining or people are going to meet my needs or where I can fit in or all this. No, God, God has divinely ordained His body so that they're very different gifts and they aren't all the same. They don't look alike. There may not be people who have the same gifts you do. And that's good. We need you. We need you. You may feel like, I can't relate to other people here. I feel like I'm all alone. We need you. You're not all alone. And you need us. We need each other for the maturity of the body. We need each other, Paul says, to be united in the faith. We need each other to know Jesus more. Don't you want to know Jesus? If you're a Christian, God's given you this desire to know Jesus Christ, to have knowledge of Him more and more, to grow in that knowledge. How does that knowledge come? Paul tells us that knowledge doesn't come um, through your times with God alone. Now they do. God reveals to us, to Himself to us through His Word. But it comes actually through the gifts working out in the body that help us grow in the knowledge of God. So we grow in the knowledge of the Son of God as we share our gifts with other people. We grow in the knowledge of the Son of God as we see Him at work in other people's lives. As we do the work of ministry. Each one of us is important. You may be thinking, I don't feel like I'm very important here. You are significant to the building up of this body. You are important to Christ's bride. You're needed to display the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, something that will only really occur on the final day. So what's Paul saying is that he's saying that we're intended to keep on building up the body until we all achieve the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. What is he saying? Until Christ returns. We don't ever stop building up the body, building up one another with our gifts and being others focused, being continually saying, you know what, God, I'm here and I've been redeemed and you saved me so that I can give of myself like you gave of yourself. I'm going to give myself up for your bride, your most precious bride. Each one of us is to keep on building up the body of Christ for good. There's never a time when we're all going to be mature. As a body, we're always going to need to mature and grow in Christ. And so there's never a time when we're called to no longer minister with the gifts that He's given to us. We're to be continually building up Christ's body. And what a holy privilege that is, isn't it? If, if you begin to realize, I hope you've begun to realize as we've been going through Ephesians, just how precious the bride of Christ is. It's, it's God's divine plan throughout the ages to reveal His purposes in the church. He shows his manifold wisdom. It says in the latter part of Ephesians 5. We'll come to it. That he died for his church. His bride. And then he asks us. He bids us. And he gives us grace. He empowers us with his grace. And he gives us his gifts. And he says come and join with me. In building up the body. And I'm going to strengthen the body. I'm going to cause you to grow. I'm going to cause the whole body to grow as you are doing your part in the body and using the gifts that I'm giving to you for a purpose. And they're not for yourself. It's for the building up of my bride and what a glorious cause that is. You are vital to this church and using your gifts is vital to our growth and unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Don't think your gifts are unimportant. 
not only are they important, you carrying out your ministry in this local body, it's, it's essential to the health and growth of our body. Now let's look at verse 16 together. We're going to come back to verses 14 and 15 next week, but let's look at verse 16 now. It says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What's the point we need to see here? Our fifth and our final point is really that Christ gave each of us gifts that are essential. He gave us each gifts that are essential to the body. He makes the whole body grow, but He does it, He says, through the empowering of His body with different grace gifts. He, he doesn't need you in one sense, but He uses you. And He gives you the ability, He gives you the power to, to strengthen one another in the body. And He uses you to build His body up. He uses each and every member to supply the body with the gifts that He needs that are necessary for our growth. And so every member here is essential. Every person is essential. And, and I want to encourage if you are not sure whether this church is your home, if you're not yet chosen a church home, I want to encourage you, don't be there long. You're needed in a local body. And if you're here and you're not sure, you haven't found anywhere else, commit here for now. Let this be your local body. We, we need to benefit from your gifts and we, you need to benefit from the gifts of the body. We're not just called to grow individually. We're not just gifted to grow on our own. We're called and gifted to, go, called and gifted to grow as a body. So often I think we miss the point that every, ministry, every person is called to do the part of the work of ministry in the body. You know, it says, I think early on, eight, about 18 months ago, when we, we had a transition in our church and um, took over the, the leadership of our church and was communicating the vision of our church, the mission of our church is to be disciples who are growing as disciples and making disciples. And, and we referred back to Ephesians, the fact that how do we do this? We do this through every member here doing their part. We do this, this work of ministry is not done by Aaron and me, the small group leaders, the deacons. It's, it's, this work of ministry is done by all of us. You see, Aaron and I, we have, we have a role to equip the saints, but all of us are called to do the work of ministry. I think it commissions you all. I want to commission you all again. You are ministers of God's grace. You're the ministers. You're, you're a minister of His gracious gifts. And when each one of us are doing our part, the body grows and works together. And, and there's, a, there's a beautiful picture here in verse 16. And he says it's every joint, every ligament, and every part of the body works together. The whole body grows. The point of a foot working with the legs is so that the, the body is strengthened. The point of... An arm uh, working with hands to lift things up so that the body is strengthened. Every part of the body is needed to grow in maturity. Every part's essential. If my physical foot decided that it wanted to detach and stand there, sit there on the stage and it was going to grow in maturity on its own, that would be absolutely absurd. And after a while, it would die. We're, we're not called to be independent. We're called to each one doing their part, working together, mutually building up the body of Christ. Every part needs to hold together. <laughs> Siri did not understand what I said. <laughs> That's brilliant. Excellent. So, <laughs> the question we need to ask ourselves this morning, church, is what is your part? What is your part? What gifts has God given you and what are you doing with them? Are you sitting on the gifts God's given you? Are you sitting alone? Are you, are you doing your part? 
Are you working actively to strengthen and encourage and build up the body? Are you actively seeking to be used by God and say, God, I want to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. I want to grow in unity. And Lord, I want to give myself to your great purpose in the earth, in the church. And God, I want to give my gifts in whatever way I can. I want to exhaust myself and give myself up for the bride. Like Jesus, you've given yourself up for us. So church, what part are you doing? God's given each and every one of us His empowering grace. He's given each and every one of us different gifts. The question is, are we using them? Are we worshiping God in light of what He's done in our lives? And the fact that He has called us together, He's called us to be His people. And if so, are we using the grace that He's given to us for the good of the body? Are we building up the body? Are we looking to be on our own, trying to grow apart from the body? Pray that God's moving on you even now to encourage you to to look actively for ways that you can build one another up with the gifts that God's given you. Whatever they are. You don't need to take a gift mix, mix test to do that. Do you have anything that God's given to you? Use whatever gifts you have for the building up encouragement of the body. And here's the crazy thing. As we all do that, God's going to cause us all to grow up into maturity. He's going to cause us all to grow up into the fullness of the stature of a mature man, it says. And that is, it's talking about a singular there. I mean, the, the mature man, the, the person of the body. So church, what part are we doing? Are we working properly? Where we're not, let's realize that because Christ came, He took all of the sins that we've committed by not working properly, by not doing what we should have done. And He took them on Himself and He fulfilled every part. He used every one of His gifts to build up the body so that we experience no condemnation where we've not done so. But so that then we can follow Him and say, God, I want to live for You. I want to use my gifts for the body. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have done a good work in our church. We rejoice that you've sustained us these many years. God, we are excited and we look forward to how you're going to cause us to mature and grow even more in the years to come as each one of us realizes that we have been called to a crucial part. We've been called to serve this body with the different gifts you've given us. And as we see these different gifts carried out and In many ways, Lord, I I know that you're going to cause us to grow up into maturity. So, Father, I pray that you would give us a passion for you, a passion for your church, a passion for your body, and that we desire to give all for what you've given all for.